are back. The Juke Podcast, first time ever on Twitch Live. Jen, we have a special guest. You know I like my insiders, Mitch. And when I try and tell people that a lot of the information that they hear around the NFL draft is actually misinformation, they're, oh no, they wouldn't do that. I'm like, yes, actually they would. And I can't think of a better person to get into this discussion uh, than the one and only Woody Womack. And Woody, is it true that sometimes teams will feed misinformation just to get the pressure off or the conversation to change? Oh, yeah, big time. And guess what? I'm such a sucker. I fall for it every year. You know, I was telling you guys about the Kyler Murray draft. I had such a reliable source with the Cardinals. The same guy who told me that they were trading for DeAndre Hopkins, like 10 days, like when DeAndre Hopkins wasn't even getting traded. And I was like, DeAndre Hopkins, you're insane. They told me, we're not taking Kyler Murray. Uh, we want Quinn and Williams. He's going to be the future of our defense. And I fell for a hook, line, and sinker, called all my friends, talked them into gambling on it, and everybody <laughs> lost, and they obviously picked Kyler Murray. Well, you know, I, I think it's a really important thing to say because at this time, especially, everybody's guessing. Everybody is really making their best guesses. They have information on, obviously, what needs teams have and what kind of guys these guys like. But it is probably better kept secrets than like Area 51 when it comes to draft boards and teams and what they're looking at. So the first thing I want to ask you is, can we get that mock draft back? Because although we put it up there, there's a few that I might have not agreed with Mitch on, but this was his mock draft. So uh, is there anything that stands out to you on that one? I'll give you one that I heard uh, yesterday from Eric of, you know, the All-American Bowl. And he said he thinks it's smokescreen at number two. He does not see Wilson going there. He is actually, you know, going a different way with that. So I'm not buying your smokescreen, Jen. Why not? What's your problem with him anyway? I just really like Zach Wilson. I think the Jets do too. You just like Zach Wilson's hair because it's like yours. No, I think Zach Wilson is a baller. And also, I trust Vegas here. I know you're trusting Vegas, but, you know, when somebody says you don't pass full fields and I think he's a smokescreen, you know, you've seen him now fall all the way to 32 on some boards, and that could be just ridiculous. So I want to hear from Woody. That's a good Um, place to start because I don't even have Justin Fields on here. The field slander has got to stop. This is insane. What What's going on? Like, are you, are you going to take Trey Lance? Did you, did you guys watch Trey Lance play that game this year? He was terrible. I'm sorry. You know, this is what I think will happen, by the way. This is not my personal board, like who I would okay. pick. All right. But, but the field slander is a bit ridiculous. Woody, do you know is. fields? I have a feeling that you might. Oh. Oh, yeah. You know, I live here. I live in Atlanta. Of course, I've known Justin Fields. I ranked him as a four star when he had no offers. So put that on my resume. (laughs) Um, But like this whole thing about like his work ethic and I mean, it's insane. I can tell you like, you know, one of the things a lot of people don't realize is when the lockdown started in March, a lot of these football players were like, no, (laughs) we're not doing that. And I remember Justin Fields training with Quincy Avery 
and they were right down the street. Those dudes were out there every day, two, three hours a day doing on-field stuff in addition to the off-field stuff. And he's been doing that every day, the whole offseason. He then begged to play. He could have sat out the season and been rich anyway. <laughs> Instead, they, they they literally begged to play. And then he played the whole season. And then he played hurt in multiple games. Like, I just don't know where it came from that he's like, you know, alleged character issues or whatever. Like, I hate the anonymous. I've talked to people in the know and they say this. It's like, guess what? I'm a person in the know and nobody's talked to me. Like NFL teams brag about all this due diligence they do. Pick up the phone and call me. You guys know how to reach me. Well, I mean, Woody, between you and Eric, you've seen and know all of the top guys personally, right? Right. And I mean, you know, even like Zach Wilson, who's like an off the radar guy, he came to our camp, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, we've seen them all. That's the thing. We've seen them all. We've talked to them. A lot of them, especially this year in particular, you know, their families, you know, their trainers, you know, everybody. So that's what's crazy is that the teams love to, oh, we dig in, we talk to the neighbors. It's like, they don't dig that hard. Look at Isaiah Wilson. How hard did they dig on him one year and he's completely out of league, so. Yeah, it drives me a bit nuts. And that's why, you know, I was like, I want the guys who have actually had these guys out there. I don't understand why you are not in all of these conversations. Frankly, that's just my opinion. But hey, this is where I think the real due diligence comes from. So I'm glad to get that slander out of the way. Could it be a smoke screen to the Jets? I don't know. Eric lives down in Naples now. He's drinking Mai Tais at the, on the beach at 11 o'clock. But if he falls out of the top 10, I'm going to be shocked. I think even if the teams that are there pass on him, someone will trade back up and get him. Remember, after he beat Trevor Lawrence in the playoff, we yeah. were like, should he go one instead of Lawrence? Like, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. He played right. one game after that and he was hurt. So. Right. It wasn't. And I've been looking around like, are, are we serious right now? Like when I heard 32 from someone yesterday in their mock draft, I was like, come on, this is getting absolutely ridiculous. The other one that Eric said is that you could see him possibly go at four because of his Atlanta roots and, and the blank likes guys that are local guys. Yeah, they took A.J. Terrell last year, who is an Atlanta guy, and he actually was viewed as a reach by a lot of people. He had a very good rookie year. If I'm them, I don't know. I look at Panay Sewell, and I think if he falls out of the top five, a lot of these teams are going to be kicking themselves. Like, if we're going based on talent, and I think he was hurt by opting out. I think he should have played. He kind of, like, out of sight, out of mind. But, you know, we're we're talking about arm length and stuff like that. Dude's 20 years old, and he already (laughs) won the Outland Trophy. Like, we're overthinking it a little too much. This was viewed as a generational talent, and now – we're talking, oh, he might fall to nine, he might fall to 10. Like, he, he should be a top five pick. I agree completely. So if you were doing top five right now, let's just get you – actually, let's do top six because it gets a little bit interesting past the five. Where do you see them going? Obviously, we're taking Trevor one. I think Zach Wilson's going to go two. I wouldn't take him two. I'd probably lean with Eric and take Fields. I think Max going three, and I think the, like – you know, the 49ers have tried to be cute with like all this stuff, but it's like you wouldn't have traded three picks if you didn't know who you're going to take at that time. Woody, we, we don't know if everyone's going to be alive on Sunday. Though. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, and then uh, let's see at four, it's either Pitts or Chase there. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Pitts probably because I think they're going to give Matt Ryan like one more big weapon and try to to have a big year with them. And then I think it will be Sewell at five. I know Joe Burrow is probably begging him to take Chase, but I that's why I went with Chase. Right. But they got keep in mind, T Higgins was awesome last year. I know AJ Green's gone, but they have other weapons there too. So that's that's my pick. And then at six, I think the Dolphins or hope Jamar Chase falls into their lap. And if he doesn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they took Devontae Smith. Uh, I know you have him a little bit lower than that, but I think they they love those Alabama guys, and I think they would like to get him if they could. Yeah, okay. I agree. I had Sewell with the Bengals as well. Mitch and I kind of uh, went back and forth on that one. Are there any hidden gems that you're not hearing talked about to the extent that you should? Yeah, you know, some of the guys who have fallen back that I've surprised, I mean, people will laugh at me. Uh, Sean Wade from Ohio State, like he did not have a good year. But I mean, this was a guy that you thought was going to be a first rounder if he came out last year. He moved around a little bit. I personally think the way the NFL is now, he's going to fit in perfectly because he can play inside. He could also move over to safety. I mean, we've seen some guys like him that have done really well. You know, I like Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, the receiver. He had an injury, and I think that's hurting him a little bit. Another guy that has also fallen is Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. I think he's a perfect example of getting caught up in the post-draft, like overanalyzing. I just think he's a great player, and I think you're looking at a 12-year NFL vet there. I promise you he'll be starting year one on whatever team drafts him. If he falls to the second or third round, he's going to be a steal for sure. I was not sure who to put at 16, but I feel like Cliff kind of wants an offensive weapon. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they they did the right thing last year and they took Simmons and he was kind of up and down. I think, you know, he was sort of a disappointment, but he, he came on later in the year. But Cliff's going to be like, look, I let you guys take a defensive guy last year. Like, yeah. give me a weapon. And, you know, who knows if uh, Najee's around, you know, it seems a little high. Maybe they trade back and take him. But I mean, it would be sweet. Imagine Najee and Kyler Murray back yeah. there, like how much fun that would be to watch. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun for sure. You know, we were talking earlier and I believe there was a particular highly touted guy now who tweeted once upon a time that he really wanted you to profile him, but you wouldn't even follow him back. I mean, this is the level that you're at. What do you like? These guys are throwing themselves at you. Can you tell us that story and maybe who that particular player might be? It happened when I... I was cleaning out some of the rivals accounts myself in the DMs and like scrolling back through and deleting stuff out. And I found one from Mac Jones from like, I think it was 2015. And he said, you know, how do I get a profile on rivals? Didn't have a profile yet. (laughs) The person who was running the account at the time said, oh, you know, message Woody Womack. He covers your area. And Mac wrote back, well, he doesn't follow me back for some reason. (laughs) So I saw that and I laughed because, you know, I got to know Mac really well as a prospect. And like, I still talk to him now. I actually went to a wedding where the bride was an Alabama fan. And I just texted Mac and was like, hey, can you do a video real fast? I want to give it to him as the wedding gift. And he like did it. No questions asked right then and there. But uh, I got to know Mac. He ended up winning. I mean, he must have won. He came to like every rivals camp he could there for like a two year period. He probably won six or seven MVPs. We have so many pictures of him holding up the trophies. 
Well, yeah, for everybody out there, if you've DM'd him before, make sure you do it again, because if Mac Jones can't get through, then, you know, what makes you think you could? Um, Listen, you know, when you're verified, you get the filter. It filters the messages to like message requests and you don't see them all. I'm sorry. I wish I saw them all. It is true. It is very true. I've, I've been accused of that once or twice myself. That is hilarious. So what, what kind of guy is Mac Jones? Yeah, as, I was going to ask the same that? thing. You know, Mac is like, you know, obviously his nickname's the Joker. I mean, he's just one of these guys that like everybody loves him, like everywhere he goes. And he kind of just, even when he was younger, he like didn't know, he, d- he doesn't have any boundaries of like, hey, you're a kid and these are adults I'm talking to. Like he would have no problem making fun of you at any time, <laughs> DMing you, making fun of you. And like ultimate competitor, he used to DM me other kids' profiles and be like, you think this kid's better than me? You think this kid's <laughs> better than me? You think, and like looking back at him, you know, this was when he was like a three-star, like early on, he was totally right. But he'd be like, this kid sucks. I watched his film. He can't throw, you know? <laughs> Wow. And he used to, honestly, like with Tua, he used to say, I'm better, you know, he would want Tua to come to stuff so he could compete against him, even when they were both committed there. And I'm sure they're like best buds now. But at that time, Tua was in Hawaii, Max in Florida. They couldn't be farther apart. They're both committed to the same place. And Kiffin really, I mean, that tells you what you need to know about Mac Jones's personality is him and Kiffin were like two peds in a pod. It was kind of like Tua is Saban's guy and Mac is Kiffin's guy or whatever. And so, yeah, he would love to be like Tua sucks. We used to call Tua like Tua star, like he was a two star (laughs) recruit. He had other nicknames for Tua too that I can't say that that's he's a competitor and like that's the thing like over the years the quarterbacks who busted and the quarterbacks who've succeeded in retrospect you you can be like I knew that guy was going to be a bust like he didn't want to come to stuff he didn't want to compete like you know Trevor Lawrence has been you know was basically certified as the number one player in his class from the time he entered high school Right. And that dude would be at everything competing. Like that's what Trevor did. He flew places. He showed up, he competed. We see some of these recruits now that's like, you know, especially with the pandemic year, they got their rankings essentially without doing anything. And now they're like, right. I'm ranked high. Why am I going to go compete anywhere? And those are the red flags. But the guys who love to show up, and that's why the the Trevor like doesn't love football story was, I mean, it was insane. It was an out of context quote. I remember when one of the other recruiting services dropped him from one to two, he DM'd me and was like, are they serious? You know, like, what are we talking about here? Cause he went to like a seven on seven and didn't play well. He, and he said, it's almost like I'm punished for going to compete. If I would have just stayed home, right. I would still be number one, but that's not my nature. So who else is like that? Who else are your fierce competitors that we're looking at now? You know, Jamar Chase is like that, which is I was surprised he sat out the season. And I think like it probably killed him to be at home, sitting home. And it was like a business decision. He was pretty well established. He was like a four solid four star recruit. And we have these combines, which are open to anyone to come in and test. And maybe if they do well, we invite them back the next day to compete in the camp. And he showed up to the combine. I was like, you coming tomorrow? And he was like, oh, no, I want to get my times so I know what I need to improve on. So he came and ran and he actually ran like a four, six, nine, 40, which, you know, is super slow, obviously. And he ran a four, three, eight at his pro day. So that tells you like 
you know, the improvement he made from his junior year in high school to the draft process. So he's one of those guys totally loves to compete and got the old, the dog factor, as the kids say, you know, right. <laughs> he's a, he's a dog. Uh, Devonte Smith is the same way. Like uh, I get the size concerns, but at some point when you've been successful at every level, you had the success he had in the sec. I, I don't worry about him weighing 170 pounds or whatever. Like, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And he's the same way. He, he played both ways in high school, played, every snap he was also the kick and punt returner and like the gunner this is a dude who would run down and kill people and probably honestly if he played db i still think he'd be like in the first round conversation as a corner wow. if he decided to wow. do that as his career because because he was committed to georgia as a corner before he uh, decommitted and ended up going to lsu and who was winning those competitions was it mac jones or trevor lawrence back in the day the one time they really went head to head was at the rivals quarterback challenge it was Mac's junior year. It was Trevor's sophomore year, and it went down to the line. Mac got the win. He I forget what the award he won was, and then Trevor won the Instant Impact Award, which turned out to be true as he won the national championship as a freshman. But uh, that's when, you know, Trevor hates the nickname Sunshine, right? I would too. Right. I mean, because it's like every quarterback, so with, right, every quarterback <laughs> with long hair is like automatically sunshine. Max started calling him Pony because he looks <laughs> like a pony with like the mane of hair. So we tried to make Pony happen and it never really caught on. Hashtag Pony. Everybody out there, get the hashtags going, baby. All right, let's get to some questions about the draft. Uh, first one is, will the Patriots, my favorite team, trade up? to possibly select a quarterback. Now I have them trading up to get Devonte Smith, but I don't know. I think if Fields is available at like 9, I could see him jumping in there and trying to get him. Bill Simmons has been obsessed with Justin Fields for like yeah. the last 2 months. I mean, it's like the only thing he talks about, so <laughs> hopefully for his sake they get him, but uh I think if they trade up, it's to get a quarterback. I don't, I don't see, but you know, Belichick loves to trade down, not, not trade up. Uh, Of course they spend all that money in free agency, which he normally never does. You know, we've seen it work for a lot of teams, the Ravens and elsewhere where they get that quarterback on the rookie deal. And then you could spend a lot of money on other guys around him. So I could see him trying to get either Lance or fields if they're still hanging around there at the back end of the top 10. Makes sense. What about Davis Mills out of Stanford? What do you think about him? Oh, my guy, Davis. Oh, you know, what's crazy is I think he only played in 11 games. Uh, but if you look at his stats, I mean, very good. The only problem with Davis is he's always nicked up. I mean, he got blown up his senior year in the state championship game on like an illegal hit. And he got a concussion. And I think he hurt his knee on the same play. It was such a crazy hit. It was like a total targeting. I mean, it would have been now would have just been the other guy would have been thrown out of the game. But uh, Davis has it all. I mean, you're talking about like so smart. I mean, I guarantee you when he got on the boards for these teams, whether it was on Zoom or whatever, I promise you he blew them away. And uh, he's kind of a nerd. Like the way he talks is like if you didn't know any better and he showed up with like glasses on, you would think he was a professor. So I love Davis. I honestly could see a team being enamored with him and either trading into the back end of the first round or, or trading up on day two to take him in those first five to 10 picks. Now, the debate is him versus Kellen Mond, probably for that whatever number quarterback that is five, I guess. I would take Mills. I would not take Kellen Mond. You know, Kellen Mond is like a, to me, he progressed under Jimbo Fisher, but I don't think he's like a franchise quarterback. I wouldn't waste, I wouldn't spend a first round pick on him. If you could see Davis Mills going anywhere, I kind of thought either Patriots or Shanahan based on their offenses. Any, any thoughts on those? 
Yeah, I, I like both of those. Honestly, that would be like a total Patriots move to trade, either trade back and get him later or or try to trade up and get him in the at the start of the second round. And, you know, him and Mac actually were training together down in Mobile with QB country. I, I do like Davis. Like, honestly, if you look at him physically, other than Trevor, he's like how you would draw a quarterback. And he can really run now. Maybe the injuries have taken some off of him, but I mean, in high school, he could get out and really scoot. And I bet, I don't know if he ran at his pro day, but if it would have been like a combine situation, he would have like shocked some people by running like a, a four, seven, four, six, five type thing. TKL mad in YouTube or maybe tackle. I'm not sure. Trey Lance has the highest potential of any quarterback in the draft. What do you think? No, <laughs> but listen, no, <laughs> like, I don't watch North Dakota state play every game. Obviously he had a ton yeah. of hype coming off of that redshirt freshman season. But then, so I went to elite 11 last summer in Nashville and he was out there throwing and like they were mixed in with the high schoolers. And I was like, who is this guy? Cause there was one three-star kid who was in there who had no offers. And I was like, Oh, that must be him. And watching him throw, I was like, Oh yeah, that's him. And it was Trey Lance. So that was like my first impression of it wasn't good. Now, the second day they did like a pro day thing and Justin Fields and him went through it like one after another. And he looked really good there. So I think he has to find the right fit. I wouldn't throw him out there early. And I think I'm worried about him being a top 10 pick, getting thrown to the wolves, especially if it's like Denver. And then we get, we're in like a Drew Lock 2.0. I mean, this guy needed a red shirt season in college at North Dakota State. So yeah. like I said, Quincy speaks highly of him. He's been living here in Atlanta and he's a nice guy. And like, you know, him and Justin are, are close friends too. But if you go back, listen to my podcast, you hear me calling him the best football player ever from the time he was like 15 and i i still am sticking with that i wouldn't rank anybody's potential higher than his even with what we've seen from him already what about Najee? how do you feel about Najee? do you think he'll get picked and if so who do you who do you liken him to he was actually our number one overall player uh in his class in 2017 I think Davis Mills was like top 10 in that class. Kellen Mond was a five-star in that class. Uh, Cam Akers was number three. And of course, he had a good rookie year. He went to the wrong. He went to Florida State and it was a total disaster. If he went to Alabama, I think he would have been a first-round pick. But in terms of Najee, like he's dynamic. I mean, and I think he fits perfectly into what the NFL has become. I mean, he's not... 30 carry guy but he he can take the pounding he can catch passes and he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires you know when you compare him to some of the other backs even travis Etienne talked about him with the cardinals i think the steelers could also use somebody like him i think he'd be perfect as like a safety valve for a big ben or whoever ends up being the quarterback there down the line so i i think a lot of teams like him and i know we're not supposed to spend first round picks on running backs but i i do think he has that type of value Coach is worrying about the Cowboys here. He says he's concerned about Jerry Jones selling the farm on pits. I hope not. They need defense. Who's a prospect you think could fit the Cowboys? Patrick Sertain, right? I mean, that seems like the slam dunk pick there. Fairly was in the mix for a while, and I know teams are worried about his back. Back injuries are, they can be so annoying. They can come back. Nothing can cause them. I think that's why he dropped. But Sertain is like, you know, once again, build the DB in the draft. He's got everything you want. He's got the film. He's got the measurables. 
He has the family bloodlines. He's a slam dunk top 10 pick. He's a lockdown guy and he's he's got, you know, size, length and every everything you want. So everyone always wants offense. And that's one of the things when, when you look at the mock drafts, you're like, are there really going to be nine offensive players in the top 10 and only one defensive player? Or I know yeah. you have Micah Parsons in there, but I can't imagine there's just one in the top 10. I kind of said the same thing. I can though. That's the thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, but it's the flash, right? And if if that's all you see, that's what they're going to talk about, right? Whereas, you know, the football people, when we kind of get in, you're like, yeah, but you really need defense. And, you know, getting a corner like Sertain can change the dynamics, right? Once you have one side on lock, it, it unlocks the things that you can do in terms of you know, secondary hiring to use your linebackers, stuff like that. And th- that family pedigree and knowing how to be a pro is a really important factor that we're not hearing quite enough talked about. But then again. Yeah, we saw well, it with Antoine Winfield Jr. last year, big part of the Bucks defense. I would say, like, just to ask off that, you said you would be a little surprised if there's only one defensive guy in the top 10. Like, Outside of Parsons, Sertain, is there anyone that you could see surprise like pop in that top 10 on the defensive side of the ball? For me, it would have been fairly the whole time. You know, I I just think like there has to be an edge rusher that somebody, and maybe it's somebody even like Quiddy Pay, who is like the freak factor, which I personally wouldn't put pick him in the top 10. But there's so much value. We know like the most valuable positions, you know, are quarterback, offensive tackle, and that edge rusher. And I just can't see that. Like there's got like look at the year that Farrell went number four to the Raiders. Like we were all like, what? Shock. Right. Uh, there could easily be somebody like that who saw a team falls in love with, especially this year when they haven't had as much time to pick them apart in person. I just think there has to be an edge rusher, whether it's him or so. I mean, I guess you could say that's Parsons, you know, Parsons is more of a linebacker, but he, he can, he can do it all. But I think there's going to be a second guy that pops up and, and, and it might be pay. I just pays on Woody's like bust list potential. Ooh. I wouldn't take him, but I could totally see somebody who's enamored with those physical aspects, taking him in the top 10. So who is on your bust list potential? Yeah. Because this is a fantastic list. Let me look at who I have on my board here. But I, like right now, Quiddy is leading the way. I do have a little bit of concern. He's not on my bus list, but Slater from Northwestern. I do think there's something there to the, you know, I know it's, oh, his arms are too short or whatever. I, I worry about taking him as high as they're thinking about taking him. And I worry about the comparisons or the, some people thinking he should go above Sewell because like I mentioned, I'm a Sewell homer. I think he's a no-brainer. Now, I do think Mac has bust potential. I mean, I love Mac, but it's a gamble to take him at three. When we were talking 15 or 20, okay, it's a gamble just because of how much they had to pay for him. Uh, Also, Zach Wilson, like, you know, the NFL draft nerds getting excited about incompletions. Oh, he even makes incompletions look amazing. I'm like, guys, calm down. Like, what, what, what are you that doing? was like when Mahomes threw that incredible pass in the Super Bowl and it was incomplete. And then people were like, I bet Tom Brady couldn't make this pass. It was like, <laughs> so that's the thing. And Jen said it earlier. So, so Jen has a coach's mind, like when she's thinking about the top 10. And us media nerds are like, let's write about the sexy offensive players. And that's who we think are going in the top 10. You have to remember that these football minds are not like that. And I think that uh, they're going to find guys 
that they like, you know, even, even a guy like Greg Russo, like had Greg Russo played his season. I think he's a no brainer slam dunk top. I heard some crazy stat about him that he had like 35 tackles for a loss last year or something. His redshirt freshman year. Yeah. And if you look at him, I mean, he's only been playing. I have said, we have video of him from high school where he thought he was a tight end and he looks like, he looks like Gumby. I mean, he weighed like 180 pounds. So like, this is a guy who's still developing. I think he has a lot of value there. I worry about Jalen Phillips, who's Mm -hmm. a guy that I could also see being in that top 10 discussion that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody surprises. He was like a total blue chip recruit for us, top five. But I mean, you, you have to think about the health issues. He medically retired from football and Miami turned him around and now he's back. He, he was obviously great, but I just wonder, like he was playing with uh, Roche at Miami, who I think helped him by taking a lot of attention off. And I think he's a guy who's being undervalued. And I just worried that like, what if Jalen gets hurt again, one more concussion in his career might be over. And I, I wouldn't, you know, obviously we don't want that to happen. I hope he stays healthy, but that would be a sort of a red flag for me if we're talking about a first round pick. You brought up Mac. I know we've talked a lot about him already, but at number three, a lot of people, especially fans and the media, don't think he should be the pick. Maybe just give your opinion on why you think he should be the pick and why you would want Mac Jones as your quarterback. Well, so I was arguing with George Reister, who is an NFL tight end who played in the league for the Jaguars for a long time. Now he's a media guy and he was texting me shirtless pics of Mac making fun of him. Look at, he looks so dumpy or whatever, you know, I think that stuff's overblown. Like what's the difference? Somebody tell me what's the difference between him and Tua. He put up better numbers than Tua and he didn't have rugs and Judy to throw to. So like, why did we decide that Tua is like a slam dunk and we took Tua when he's had like a devastating injury and yet Mac is like so ridiculous. You know, a lot of people laughed at the Chargers last year when they took Justin Herbert. And I mean, there's a lot of teams that, you know, the teams ahead of him wish that they had Herbert. Herbert looks amazing. And he, Herbert surprised me because people around him always told me like, he's weird. He's like a nerd. He's not personable. He doesn't talk. Like I was thinking like, how's he going to lead a team? And obviously all yeah. that stuff is out the window. I think Max got the intangibles. And I think like he has the tape, watch the tape. Like he put it on film and, and you say, oh, people are running, running wide open. Well, Jalen Waddle got hurt like three games into the season and it didn't matter. Like not only did he not have Waddle, he didn't have Waddle and he didn't have Ruggs and Judy. He didn't have three first round receivers that Tua had, yet he still easily put up bigger numbers than him. I need to ask this question for our producer, Matthew out there. He wants to know who the bills are taking, man. I don't know. I, I personally think they have to go defense. I mean, you know, you have to view the amount of stuff they paid for digs kind of as like, okay, much like we were talking about the Cardinals earlier, you got your offensive guy last year, you got to go defense. And I think it's whoever the best of the bunch is available. Those guys we mentioned, Russo, Phillips, uh, some of those edge rushers. I think that would personally, that's what I would take. Who does he want? Like, who is his dream? I know he's hitting the mock, refreshing the mock drafts over and over again. Trade up for Pitts, he says. Okay, sure. Yeah. Why don't they, why don't they, yeah, exactly. That's it. Spend your whole roster. Don't trade up for Pitts for your quarterback. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, the, come on. I, yeah, everybody, it would be nice to trade up for Fitz. What are you trading for him? You know, my boy Gabe Davis is very underrated on uh, Buffalo. And I, like, I think with him, you know, with him and Diggs, I think good. The, the receiving course set there. 
you know, some of the teams that we have talked about are those that fall a little bit later in the draft, which kind of become really interesting, right? Like, you know, I know personally that Seattle gave me heart attacks last year as a defensive person. When your secondary is leading you in sacks, I kind of want to throw my whole D-line to the Wolves. But have you heard anything about Seattle? Can they get some defensive changes in there? What do you think that they're going to do? Well, it's so weird because it's like the rumors were like, oh, Russ is mad. All they care about is defense, you know, like, do they? I mean, obviously during the the heyday there when we had the Legion of Boom, that was the case, but they let those guys go. They kind of thinned it out. I don't know. I mean, other than Parsons, like where's the linebacker? You know, who is the guy that we really think is can be the impact playmaking linebacker? I personally think Dylan Moses, who once again, he's got the injury red flag. Now he's not a first round pick, but he would have been had he not torn his ACL last year. I think if you can get a guy like him in a second or third round, you're talking about like a leader of your defense for a decade, potentially. Somebody like him, I would, I would like, but I, you know, I think they could use some, some help. You mentioned that the secondary is the, you know, what are we talking about? I love Ugo Amadi. You know, he's a fourth round pick. They got a couple of years ago from Oregon and a kid that I loved as a player. And uh, he's got, kind of become a leader for them. But, you know, even when, when we had the Griffin, you know, the Griffin brothers are gone now. So, I mean, I think they have a lot of holes on that defense they have to fill. And if, if Pete Carroll's a defensive guy, like Russ says, he should be able to have a few people in mind. I hear the defensive guy all the time, but I don't <laughs> see the defensive moves, right? right? And like, you know, I know we talk a whole lot of offense, but I, I would be remiss if we didn't get a little bit of that defense in there because it's really not been talked about. And there were some glaring problems on some defenses last year, namely, you know, I said they were the Alice Cowboys last year because there was no D in Dallas and ouch, it was painful to watch. Right. Like, and now you're going to have a remake there, but I haven't seen as much of the movement as I would like to, or even heard the conversations around the defensive side of the ball. And I know it's not as good a defensive class. I mean, we've got, quarterbacks for days we've got freaking you know wide receivers um that could cause a slider there are a lot of corners there are a lot of corners which are hard to find but i'm not seeing any of the trenches like the dogs other than one name yeah, the corners, you know, I, I like J.C. Horn a lot, too. He, him and Sertain, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You're talking about the family pedigree, you know. Um, a lot of people like Trevon Morig from Morig. Is that how you said from TCU? Morig, yeah. TCU just seems to spit out like a first round pick on defense every Random. year. But I, I wasn't like, I know a lot of people like him. I just wasn't super familiar with him as a player, even though I watched him a lot. I just don't remember. A guy I really like, I should have mentioned earlier, is uh, Zavin Collins from Tulsa. Yeah. Somehow I ended up watching him play a lot this past year. He was all over the field, dude, just a playmaker, like nose for the ball. Like, you know, if there was a fumble or something, it's like he was either causing it or recovering it. You know, they had a couple long corners that I think we're probably going to hear from in next year's draft. They were just really a good, good defensive team. And it, it had a lot to do with him being the quarterback of the defense and just being a consistent playmaker. And like, that's no, how- I love him too. I think he's an awesome player. Uh, you brought up certain horn. Uh, another guy that I've been intrigued by at corner, another junior is Asante Samuel Jr. Do you have any thoughts on him? These teams would rather take a six foot one dude who can't cover 
Yeah. Because they think they could teach him how over a dude who's already a lockdown corner. Like Asante Samuel is short. There's no doubt about it. But I promise you, never a worry about him as a prospect. And I think the height might keep him out of the first round. But like, once again, I have no doubts he's going to be successful. Total dog factor through the roof. I mean, this guy, like he was like a jamming specialist in high school. He loved to just like drive dudes backwards out of bounds. I mean, just like he had that edge to him. And a lot of times the sons of these NFL players, people want to go at them like right. at camps or in yeah. games. I really like, oh, you think you're Asante Samuel Jr., blah, blah, blah. I'm going to show you like he was not having it. And like he used to have battles. I mean, him and Jerry Judy would go to war at these events. And like it was so fun to watch them go head to head. And uh, I love him. I forgot about him too. But yeah, he's a guy that I really loved as a prospect. And we ranked him really high. And everyone's like, oh, he's a midget. He's terrible. He's short, mm-hmm. you know, but like I will take a 5'10 corner any day of the week. Like, I have no problem with a 5'10 corner. I think the size can get overvalued sometimes. His dad was 5'10". Woody, and you know what? It's so funny. You are reminding me of one of my mentors, uh, Mr. Ron Woodson, who does not like big corners. He does not like the taller guys. He wants the smaller, scrappy, jam Uh, take pride dog factor corners and it was interesting to me because you know here you have a hall of fame right not many better than him and he was telling me that one of the problems often between that you see like a guy who doesn't work out is coaches say I need this guy right of the of the corners you've got I want this one this one and this one and I can already tell you Asante would be on his board and then they say, okay, well, what do you think about these guys? I don't want those guys. Then the draft comes or the free agency, and he's like, oh, look what I got. Everything that I said I didn't want, right? right? And he's like, and then you want me to make them work, even though based on our scheme and what we're asking them to do, they're not really equipped for it. So I can tell you Rod Woodson would be all over uh, Asante Samuel Jr. because he, he wants the fighters. And I think the tall guys are honestly like unicorns. It's like one out of 10. Like Sertain is that guy. I have no problem. And even like Derek Stingley in next year's draft, he's that guy. I mean, JC Horn's 5'11", I think. Like, I I mean, I don't know what he measured, what he says he is. I think he's more like 5'11". He's a big corner though. Right, but like the biggest mistake coaches make, and this is college coaches too, and we see them fall, especially down here in the SEC. They're like, oh, you know, they'll take a 6'1 receiver and be like, I'm going to turn him into a corner. It's like, dude, you've got a 5'10 dude who's going to end up going to Kansas State, like Duke Shelley on the Bears. Yeah, I just don't think you can really teach someone how to flip their hips like that. If they're big and tall and stiff, they're going to be big and tall and stiff. You're not going to loosen them up. So That's right. That's what, that stiff you know. factor is a big one. The other thing that I see that we're going to start having to evolve to is the guys who can go with the pits, right? That you've got somebody on defense who can size, strength, speed, match some of these freak guys that are coming out like a Metcalf like that. And I I don't think we've really started yet accounting for that because it's such a tough thing for a defense if you have to personnel match all the time. Right. And you're you're now taking people on and off the field. First of all, you're taking your hand. But second of all, it just becomes really tough because who do you have to go for those guys? You sure don't want them necessarily with a linebacker. And 
do you have any secondary players that can take it? It would be interesting to see if you could have somebody like Sertain who could be multiple and even play some of that interior too with these guys because you're going to need them. The Patriots have been trying to do that for years. I yeah. mean, with as much man-to-man coverage as they play. I mean, I remember when they were putting Tlaib on Jimmy Graham. They put J.C. Jackson on Travis Kelsey. I mean, they've been trying to find these corners and safeties. The idea behind Kyle Duggar was similar. Well, do you see anyone, Woody, in this draft that would be a guy like that? Well, that was where my Sean Wade comparison came in. Um, you know, I, I think he's perfect for, like, matching up with guys like Pitts, like those big athletic tight ends. I, I think he was playing out of position being on the outside last year because that's where he was needed. But, like, I think in the NFL, that's where he's going to fit. A, a lot of people like Kelvin Joseph that started at LSU, and I think he's a guy with, like, a ton of buzz, like, moving up the charts. I would not take him ahead of Sean Wade. I mean, it would be a bad mistake to me if Sean Wade falls behind him. And like I said, people are going to laugh at me because Sean Wade was like a butt of a joke at Ohio State. But uh, we've got like five or six games of Kelvin Joseph, and all of a sudden we're talking about him as a first-round pick. Like (laughs) Another guy, though, he's not a corner. He thinks he's a safety. Is Jacoby Stevens from LSU. He slimmed down for his pro day. I promise you if he would just bulk up, and play outside linebacker, the dude will be a force. Like he was a tackling machine for them. He got exposed in coverage at times because he insists on, they insist on him playing safety. I thought for sure Patrick Queen leaves, Jacoby's going to slide into his role and he's going to be a first round pick this year. Instead, like I said, he, he tried to slim down. He's been fighting it since he was like a freshman in high school. The first time I saw him play, I was like, Jacoby, you're outside linebacker. No, I'm a receiver. No, I'm a corner. I could be corner. We, we have NFL guys who work our camps. And I remember Jacoby Stevens being there at the five-star challenge and him being like, this guy's an NFL corner. He's an NFL corner. I was like, coach, he's a linebacker stop stop fighting it yeah so if i think he's like probably a fourth round pick but super value for me jacoby stevens i think we're seeing that now in the nfl like keanu neal is basically converted to linebacker in dallas i think there's at least thought that landon collins could do the same for washington as well what's a surprise pick you could see in the first round like maybe a guy that nobody's really talking about that you could see going in the first round and then who's a player that was a pick last year that you think could break out this year? I think we're going to be blown away with somebody. You know, I, I guess, would it be Rondale Moore? Would Rondale Moore be the shock guy? I could see a team talking themselves into Rondale Moore as a first round pick. I mean, the dude is so fast. He's like a little bowling ball. I mean, if you're comparing someone to Tyree Kill, it's him, in my opinion. And I blew his ranking in high school because I was like, he's too small. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that again. Let somebody else do that. He's a guy I think could shock people because I don't think he's getting first round buzz but i I don't think so if you're comparing him and Kadarius tony Mm -hmm. he's got a really got a better resume than tony does and he did it at purdue he didn't have kyle pitts out there at the same time as him and tony's had the same history of of injuries you know in terms of last year's draft it's kind of tough like what do we think about Tua? like are we are we saying i'm kind of off i've never been a Tua guy personally it's nothing against a person it's just what i think about the so so I hear a lot of people say, especially like NFL guys, it's like, oh, Tua was supposed to be a slam dunk. Like he, he was supposed to be a no brainer. I'm like, well, he wasn't really. And I think that they sort of did him a disservice in the offense. Now, I'm like you, I'm not been the biggest Tua fan, but I think, you know, 
Two is a gunslinger. They really limited what they wanted to do because they didn't want him to make mistakes. But you can't. It's like trying to do a Brett Favre. Like you can't put him. You you drafted Tua. You have to let him be Tua. Now, if if you don't want to, then don't play him. Play Ryan Fitzpatrick all season. Don't do the switch him around. I, I think they did him a disservice. Now, I love I love Brian Flores. I love the coaching staff there. But I think he. I think they thought you know they did a little too much of that like playing around right. trying to overthink themselves javon kinlaw of for the 49ers like he was so dominant in college i think he kind of got his feet wet he had some really good he flashes but i wouldn't be surprised if we saw him break out and kind of become more of a, a dominant force and it's hard for especially with balls honestly, back. Right, exactly. It's hard for the inside guys, but I thought the 49ers, I mean, when they let DeForest Buckner or they traded him, I thought that was a bad move. I know they didn't want to pay him. I got it. But like in that Super Bowl, if you watch that Super Bowl, if they won, he might have been the MVP of the game. Yeah. Like he was everywhere. And we saw the the Bucks do it this year. The def- when the defensive line can get to Mahomes, it, you know, that's a problem. And Buckner was just wrecking the inside of that chief's line in that game. And that's like, that's a little football nerdy. I get it. Like, yeah, line guys, but I, I like Ken Lon. I think he's a beast. I thought, yeah, that they should have maybe signed Buckner instead of Armstead. Yeah, get rid of Armstead. Decision. Armstead's like the Ferrari that you just park in your driveway. Cause it looks nice. Like, <laughs> Give me my Jeep Grand Cherokee and Forrest <laughs> Buckner that I'm going to drive every day because, you know, the, the the limited, you know, it's still got nice rims and the sunroof and everything. But if I was picking between those two guys, I'm with you. I'm, I'm paying Buckner. And we saw the impact he had uh, yeah. in Indianapolis, too. So. All right, Jen, any final words for your friend Woody? Oh man, Woody, I mean, to me, this is, this is the good stuff, right? Like this is the gold when it comes to football conversations. And I, I just appreciate you really letting us hear your knowledge and get the inside scoop because you know it, you've been there and you have a vested interest in, you know, sharing the stories of those guys. Um, I am going to go and and tell you right now, if you ever unfollow me, we're going to have problems. I will find you in person. Um, that I better get a profile. Like, I, I'm a little offended. I don't have a profile. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to say, where's my profile? But um, I, I think it's I, I think it's phenomenal. And uh, can't wait to recap with you after this draft and maybe uh, see what we thought, because I, I think that's definitely a needed conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I've got all, but luckily, like, I don't, I'm not talking to a lot of agents and stuff right now. So I can say whatever I want without having to get my phone blown up. That's, that's the other thing that they don't tell you about them being in the NFL or NBA media right now. Right. If you say something bad about any player, you're going to hear from their agent being like, A, complaining, B, telling you you're not going to get any more information. And, you know, C, I thought we, you know, oh, why did you blindside us like this? Guess what? I'm just out here hanging out. I'm not on the take. So I can give you guys all types of unfiltered opinions. So I appreciate you letting me talk football and dork out with you guys a little bit. Hey, it's what we love to talk, right? That's what we love to do. That's right. That's what we do. That's the juke. So thank you for joining us, Woody. Thank you for tuning in to the first ever live episode of The Juke on Twitch. Make sure you do follow us on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Thanks for watching. Peace.